probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me this week again is... Mike Cummins from Tarantino Minute Podcast, Stellar Dynamics Podcast, and TwoOldMedia.com. Awesome. You got too much going on, man. Oh, <laughs> dude, I came from this morning recording, because I, I also have the Sunday morning radio show here in Orlando, so I just my life consists on going from one recording to the next. One, one microphone to another. <laughs> oh, like all day. Uh, awesome. So today we're talking about um, minute 89 of the thing, which begins with um, uh, everybody peering down that tunnel that they just discovered in Blair's shack. And then uh, ends a minute later with uh, the camera kind of panning across this uh, this weird mini UFO that they find down there. So um, definitely an interesting little little bit to uh, to go into here for sure. So. So, yeah, first uh, these guys kind of are looking into it and then they they drop down into the hole. And the first note I had is just that um, that hole is like really perfectly square <laughs> and uh yeah i'm curious i'm wondering i don't really know how blair managed to dig this all out i mean to me this is like the biggest piece of evidence that if they weren't like if they thought that maybe blair was just trying to i don't know figure out a way you know maybe he was down there working on a test to figure out who's the thing still or or figuring out some other way to keep them from escaping from spreading it or something like that like just looking at that tunnel, you're like, oh, no, no human did that. <laughs> no, no way. Like, like, can he transform into? I don't, I don't. Maybe like, have, like a shovel hand or something like exactly. that, like a, <laughs> like a Terminator, and just like, like if he's been in there, let's say two, three days, there's no way in hell he could have gone through ice that thick. I mean, it's not, it's not snow. That is ice, right? Antarctic so, ice. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I know it's a movie, but come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly my thoughts. Exactly. Where that there's got to be some kind of transformation involved where he, you know, he's using those some, some, uh, maybe the, the thing before it came to earth, it went to some planet where, where animals had shovels for arms. <laughs> and that's, that's because either shovels or, you know, flamethrowers or something. Cause I mean, I guess that's maybe the other argument for why, you know, people joke all the time about how, you know, this is like a scientific research base and yet there's like guns and flamethrowers all over the place. And it's like, why would they need this? And, you know, maybe you could argue that flamethrowers, they have flamethrowers for exactly this reason. So that, you know, if they get iced in, they could use it to kind of, you know, melt their way out of the door or something like that. But as far as we know, Blair didn't have one. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know exactly what he, uh, what, how he was able to dig this hole and how it's so perfectly geometrical. <laughs> it's just, I, uh, it's the ice that gets me. It's, I mean, I could dig through snow, no problem, but right. You know, 
I can barely put my hand in the freezer for like, you know, three seconds before I'm like, I gotta get that out of there. It's too cold. See, this is just another reason why it might be might be nice to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> just have, have whatever appendage you need at the moment. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, your motiva- self-motivation's like through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're basically, you know, Inspector Gadget of the alien world. That's and right. It sounds pretty nice. It's kind of gr- It's almost Green Lantern-esque. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you know, send us in uh, listeners. Tell us your theories of how Blair managed to uh, to dig this gigantic tunnel that he uh, is. But yeah, because it's not just it's also not just like he it's not like he just dug a basement to this shack. He dug like a tunnel to another room like (laughs) like it's like a fort that he made himself. Like you have to wonder if there's like a TV room down there somewhere, too, or something. (laughs) No, I don't doubt it. Of course, he's down there with the TV, just, you know, hanging out and eating popcorn, bonbons, what, you know, what the thing likes to do. Of course. I mean, that's, we've, we've got evidence for that. <laughs> I mean, if he if we're talking assimilation, he's probably just like the Borg and he's trying to, like, you know, take in all of it. So, right. If he's a perfect assimilation of Blair, you know, what does Blair like to do in his free time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. So he's got this whole big tunnel that he's he's dug out and um the other note I had for the beginning here was like, I feel like there's maybe a deleted scene where these guys had to draw straws to see who would go down into this tunnel first. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I was like, how do they decide who gets to go down first? Right. So, of course, poor old Gary gets to uh, has to go first. And like, yeah, I, I feel like there's there's uh, we skip a little time there where they argue a bit about that, um, too, because I certainly would not want to be the first one to go down there. <laughs> but Gary's like the gun toting like. I don't want to say like badass of the film, but he always like he's he's always the guy with the gun. So it makes sense that he's the first one in there with dynamite. He's like, I'm ready to like, you know, blow something up. Yeah. And it's funny because we talked a lot about this, that Gary is kind of this weird character in this movie because he definitely starts the movie that way where he is like he's like the cowboy hero at the beginning where, you know, he shoots the Norwegian like one shot to the head, like bust through the window. <laughs> but then like immediately after that, he's like really kind of meek and kind of like. You know, and he and and when he does uh, uh, have it, you know, the last time we see him with his gun, and he gives it up because he's like, you know, he's just kind of uncomfortable in that position of power, I guess, and uh, you know, yeah. knowing that everybody's suspicious of him. But yeah, maybe after the test is done and they're sure he's not a thing, maybe it is kind of like, uh, like, oh yeah, I guess technically, you know, by rank you are in charge of us. But you know, th- this scene is maybe the only piece of evidence to show that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that is kind of interesting. Yeah. I think this minute does, uh, you know, speaking of that, it's kind of interesting. This, this 60 seconds kind of does a good job of giving us a little bit of character work for all three of these characters, um, just through some of the things they say and do here. Um, so yeah, we get that from Gary and, and, you know, Gary does have, uh, some, some theories about what's going on down here with the, with the ship. And, um, he's the first one to say it does look like a ship of some kind, but then before that, as the, you can't even see him, but you hear Nall's you know, kind of his smart aleck uh, responses they go down where he's like, hey, Blair, we got something for you, <laughs> uh, which is very, very Nalls. And then uh, Mac, I can't remember, what does he get to in this? I might be mixing it up with the next minute, but, uh, you know, Mac, Mac's down there too. He's And he's still got dynamite. He's not only just holding dynamite, he's got dynamite like stuffed in his pockets too. So he's like, you know, as, as we've said, like the defining characteristic of McCready in this movie is that he's like... Um, he wants to play the game, but as soon as the game turns sour, he's he's just willing to blow up the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> like he's turned he's uh he's flipped over many a monopoly board in his day, I think. <laughs> he's punched many a computer screen when he's losing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pour that scotch into the uh into the disc drive or whatever. <laughs> 
Yeah. So another bit of good uh, production design is what we mentioned uh, John Lloyd yesterday. Of um, I never really noticed. I'm always so preoccupied with the uh, the ship itself in this scene, but I've never really thought about the the whole setup of this little workshop that Blair's got down here. <laughs> you know, I guess you know maybe he also dug this tunnel out to a uh, you know a hardware store or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure I managed to get this table and this like this big drill and all you know this equipment that he's got down there i'm not sure exactly how that uh how that fit down through that hole <laughs> yeah, he dug the tunnel then he dug another tunnel all the way out to you know safely put the generator outside to run the power into this place mm-hmm. so he can work the <laughs> electronic tool i mean come on man <laughs> like it doesn't work that way yeah there's um this minute is one of the this minute and tomorrow's minute are maybe some of the ones that are uh, I hate to say it, but some of the ones that are hardest to uh, to suspend disbelief on um, in, yeah. in some ways. Yeah. And certainly some of his setup down here is a little like, OK, not only where did he get all this stuff, but how did he get it all down here? And and, and I didn't even think about the power, but that's a great point. Like, how, you know, how do there's, there's cords running off mm-hmm. of the workbench. So I'm like, I, I, I yeah, I mean, you could <laughs> say that maybe he didn't need light because maybe, you know, maybe the thing can adapt to low light or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's still got a drill and he's like, and it clearly looks like he's been like welding this thing together. Like, <laughs> so you needed something for sure. So yeah, it's, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to see somebody explain that away in a convincing way. I, I don't know that I can. <laughs> uh, well, you see the thing does not need power because he assimilated the peelings from quantum four and they are electronic <laughs> peelings. <laughs> yeah. The whole, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you're one of those people, ch- chime in on Twitter and let us <laughs> let us know. I, I'm, uh, for once, I really want that to uh, to be involved in the podcast. Please let me know. <laughs> Give me a good will, actually. Yes, <laughs> but obviously the the centerpiece to this minute is the UFO, um, and this is a, a a major piece of uh, of controversy uh, among among thing fans. I think uh, I've certainly seen a lot of discussions about it online about you know what. What exactly is this? <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? So what am I looking at here? A UFO, you say? Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it clearly looks like like the beginnings of a UFO. And, and you know, Gary even says it looks like a ship of some kind. I, I think it's, it's interesting to see in the script, it doesn't define it as a UFO. It just says, uh, it says it's a strange metallic object, crudely fashioned, a patchwork job, but streamlined. Like that's the only way they ever describe it in the script. Um, so it doesn't even say it looks like a ship. It just says that's that's all we get. Yeah, um, which is interesting. I think uh, this this uh, this whole thing. It's my suspension of disbelief is out the window. So <laughs> you're telling me that there's this guy in this shack who one digs through. I'd say probably about mm, fifteen twenty feet of ice sure. in two days brings a bunch of tools down, runs power, and builds a UFO. I mean, this thing literally has, like, it's this willpower and it's, like, thought processes and, like, the amount of work it can, like, exert is insane. Yeah. Uh, With no heat as well. It's all in ice. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, I think um, the thing's resume, it would be pretty impressive at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd hire it. Man. Oh, I, I, don't assimilate me, but, man, hell of a carpenter. Great, A great intern, really. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of argument online about whether it is actually a spacecraft, like whether the thing is trying to like escape this planet or whether it is some kind of whether it's just a more kind of traditional flying, you know, craft just so it can get off Antarctica and, you know, reach the mainland. 
but it's certainly like they definitely went to great lengths to make it look like a spacecraft, like a U. Yeah. Like it, it looks very much like a traditional flying saucer, um, and and even even kind of um, it parallels very much the the saucer that we see in the map painting uh, when they discover the actual UFO. I, I didn't actually think about it, but looking at it, it's even got the two the like big kind of twin engines on the back that the um, that the one we saw earlier does. So it, it you know. To me, I think, you know, a lot of people say that it is just kind of some kind of flying machine that it wants, you know, and he's scavenging parts from the helicopter as we find out later. So you could make that argument, but just looking at it, come on, it's a UFO for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a spacecraft, which... Well, actually... Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't uh, know about if I've ever seen a UFO with like, you know, thrusters on the back of it like that either. So I, it's just... And how how does he plan to get it out of there? Yeah, I mean that's another good point. Like, I mean, I guess you know if he was able to dig this tunnel this fast, maybe he could dig dig it right up to the surface pretty easily. But yeah, it's um, there's a lot of questions about how Blair thing planned to uh, to put this into use. I'm I'm not quite sure. Computer, how likely is it that one of our guests may be infected with the intruder organism? One hundred percent. Great. In that case, what are our chances of survival? Projection. If guests make it to other podcasts, all of iTunes will be infected within 27,000 hours. Yikes. Well, how long can we keep this up in the meantime? Projection. Without listener support, the generator will be destroyed in less than 24 hours and podcasting will be impossible. If only the radio wasn't down, we could reach the mainland and tell the listeners to go to thethingminute.com and use the donate button in the bottom right of the page to help out. Projection. If listeners go to thethingminute.com and use the donate button, chances of the podcast survival goes up 75%. Windows, keep trying. I was thinking, so you said like, you know, he's going to use the UFO possibly to maybe escape the planet or take it to mainland. I mean, I'm I'm guessing he's not sure which way mainland is. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, who knows how long this thing can run on whatever it runs on. I guess maybe magic, maybe, you know, the thing assimilated (laughs) a magician planet. And so (laughs) so I'm thinking maybe he feels threatened, like he's gone to planet to planet assimilating them all. And he finally comes to a planet that can actually defend itself. And he's like, yo, I got to get out of this place now. But, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my theory about it. And then how I was talking the other day about how the door on the shack was open, maybe it's actually like a hangar and it just, and it keeps mm. going all the way back and he just shoots out the side of a mountain, but probably, probably not. That'd be pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see a cut of this movie with a finished UFO and Blair, not the thing, but Blair, like inside of it driving. <laughs> I would pay a lot of money to see that i would absolutely do that i I have a feeling wilford brimley would not be willing to uh to come back in for a reshoot now (laughs) hey will we're gonna need you to come in we have a finished ufo and we're just gonna put you in it all right yeah maybe that was the original plan and wilford brimley's like "Mm, no (laughs) yeah he uh you know it's so funny because his um from from all accounts, it sounds like uh, Wilford Brimley and John Carpenter are still like very good friends. Like they get along really well and still stay in touch. But they are about as opposite in terms of personality as you can get. I think in terms of like what what they like. Like Wilford Brimley, uh, you know, I think th- I think the first half of this movie, where obviously he's got more to do, is is more his kind of thing. Where he's you know there is a lot of like suspense and the sci fi element of it is much more kind of um, you know tampered down a little bit, but. 
uh, you know, he thinks the rest of this is pretty silly. Uh, he the the main thing he regularly says about this movie is that it's about slimy rubber dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of get an idea of how he how he would feel about sitting in a UFO. I can imagine. <laughs> oh yeah. The other thing that I, <laughs> I always think about that I, I had to write down is that this uh, this UFO. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Futurama, but this UFO always 100 percent of the time reminds me of Nibbler's spaceship in Futurama. Um, a thousand percent correct. <laughs> so, I could, so that makes the Blair situation even funnier because I can imagine him just crammed into this little glass dome at the top of that UFO, uh, like like uh, Leela and Nibbler are in Futurama. <laughs> oh my, you're. Like a Scooty Puff Jr. Almost. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which always kind of makes it seem even sillier than it actually is to me. So that uh, sorry, but Futurama does uh, kind of hamper this scene for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the uh, the controversial UFO. So I, I do love you know taking aside any kind of questions about how it should work or, or whether it's possible that he could really build this or or whether that's kind of a silly idea or not. I do love the look of the UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got definitely kind of a classic sci-fi look and to see it like, you know, halfway built is, is pretty neat. It's a really, it's a cool piece of design. I think I, yeah, it is. I, I like, there's like a subtle touch that is put on, I'm guessing by maybe John Lloyd or maybe John Carpenter, like the pair of pliers and the screwdriver mm-hmm. on the one part of the finished hole. It's like, Oh, you know, he's still, he's, don't worry. He's coming back to finish his work. Like he's not done yet. So I, I think it's a nice little touch and it is a really cool, I love classic like 1950s sci-fi, mm-hmm. like almost like pulpy kind of a look. Yeah. And that's, you know, like we've been talking about how it kind of looks almost out of place. It's like this movie has a lot of that, like, kind of 50 sci-fi aesthetic to it in places and this is one place where it maybe almost goes too far in that direction yeah. and it's super cool but on the other hand it's like okay like you know these very kind of unique and crazy looking monsters that we've seen and this like very kind of realistic tension that we're getting and stuff oh yeah and then this like sweet looking like you know <laughs> you can hear like hear the theremin in the background almost like playing with this flying saucer down here yeah um but yeah, it is like I'd love to know what happened to this prop. Like who's who's got this still in their workshop? I I, I hope somebody does. Um, Wilford Brimley actually has it still it's sitting <laughs> in his garage. He's gonna finish it one day. Yeah, he's still working on it. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of those pliers, uh, to me, I like to I like to think that that means that. Uh, Blair thing was down there working on it, and then maybe he heard the uh, he heard the whole Palmer thing attack, and was like ah, and just had to drop his pliers and and, and head outside, and you know he's like all right, all right. I'll come back to this later. <laughs> but yeah, the UFO. Uh, definitely definitely interested to see what uh, what uh, uh, other listeners think about this one. It's definitely one of the most um, kind of controversial things I see people talking about on, on Facebook all the time about uh, whether 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 you can reason this away or not. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see. So do you think they could have gone without ever showing this ufo like they don't have to they, this does this isn't the oh fuck i'm not trying to say they don't need to <laughs> they don't need to have this scene in the movie at all like they don't need to show the ufo uh, that's a really or good do you think question. they need to show like a, a form of escape almost for the thing yeah i mean i i guess i think the the form of escape is important because um you know again you know you might have forgotten at this point that the stakes are not just for these guys who are left to survive that it is, you know, cause it's been a while since um, we had, I think probably the last time they really mentioned it was when they're all kind of standing around the the fire after, um, after the blood gets uh, destroyed. And Mac specifically says like, you know, uh, if it takes all of us over, then there's nobody left to stop it. And then you're like, Oh, stop it from 
continuing on and taking over Earth. Because, you know, before that, Blair and and uh, Fuchs have been the main guys kind of harping on the fact that it's not, that the stakes are much higher than just them. Yeah. Um, so I do think a form of escape is probably important to show at this point because it does mean not only that Blair is assimilated, but also that it's planning on getting away and spreading. Um, so, you know, it gives these guys like a bigger reason to, to need to stop him than just, you know, cause otherwise they could just be like, well, hell, let's just get out of here and, you know, figure out a way for us to survive or lock yeah. ourselves in a room or something. But, you know, this gives them a reason to kind of hunt him down. Um, but I don't know that I've, I mean, I'm trying to think, I don't know what they could have done differently really. Um, you know, than, than, than what we get. I mean, I guess, you know, a helicopter would make sense, but I guess, you know, since he's building it out of helicopter parts, but seeing a helicopter down underground seems almost silly too. Like, you know, how's he going to get it out of it? And it's, it'd be so big too, you know? Oh, well, we've seen this digging technique. I think it wouldn't be a problem for him. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe, maybe this cave would just be massive. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, or maybe, maybe you know, a, a jetpack too might be just as silly. I don't know, but <laughs> I'd <laughs> love to see Blair on a jetpack. Blair on a jetpack. I'm sold. Just make it, you know, part two of the Rocketeer, Blair on a jetpack. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, one, of, one of my all-time favorite uh, Walker, Texas Ranger clips where Walker flies away on this ridiculous looking jetpack. Um, <laughs> it's very, uh, that, that could fit very well with this. I think I could see Blair doing that. <laughs> I've, I've never seen it, but I'm going to take your word for it. That it's silly. I'm going to, I'm going to have to post that, uh, that clip with the, uh, the minutes. Cause it is, uh, it is always worth watching. It's, it's hilarious. Just Photoshop Blair's face over Walker, Texas Rangers. And then boom, internet get on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's, this scene is necessary, but I, I'm, I don't know that I have a better uh, a better way to do it than than what they did. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so I don't know, but um, yeah. So I think that's um, that's more or less all I had on, on this one. Uh, there's there's a little bit more UFO tomorrow, so we've got some some more to uh, to mention. But um, anything else you wanted to bring up before we move on to the next one? Uh, that's all I got. Cool. So I think that'll wrap up uh, eighty nine. But. Uh, make sure to check out moviesbyminutes.com for a whole collection of other podcasts like this one and uh, and like Tarantino Minute as well. So there are tons and tons and tons of Movies by Minute podcasts. There's a new one almost every day. Um, so if you know the thing isn't your favorite movie, then check uh, moviesbyminutes.com and you might find that your favorite movie already has a podcast about it as well. Or if it doesn't, you should maybe consider starting it. Um, you know, there's a, it's a, it's a fun community to be a part of. And it's a, you know, if it's a movie you really like and that really holds up to this kind of close, um, analysis, then, you know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty rewarding thing to be able to look at a movie this close and and talk to lots of awesome people about it. So, um, I can definitely recommend it, uh, if you're interested in starting your own. Um, but, uh, as you're checking out all those other shows, don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of the thing minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out.